here with the esteemed Everald Compton for uh, another episode of Old Everald and Young James. And later on in the episode, our listeners will find out why I've chosen to describe my good friend Everald as esteemed. But for now, um, we'll kick off our regular podcast. How are you doing, Ed? Well, I'm fine, and it's good to talk to you, James, even though we're going through some pretty hot uh, hot, hot weather here in Australia, but there's also a few hot political things happening around the country that are, that are worth having a talk about. But, you know, today's the Mardi Gras days, and now you live in Sydney and I don't, and I've got to say that I've never turned up to a Mardi Gras, not because I didn't want to, but I just don't live in Sydney. Have you ever turned up to the Mardi Gras, James? Uh, no, I haven't. But um, everyone I know who has has said, you know, it's a it's a great day of um, inclusivity and um, everyone's happy and having so much fun and laughing and that. I always sort of thought growing up it was like not a real thing I'd want to go to because I'm not a member of the LGBTQIA plus community. But I've had so many people who aren't tell me that they've been. And it's just really fun, happy and safe and community night. So um, would recommend, you know, everyone listening to our show who is a ally of the community or is a member of the community to get out um, if they can and show their support. Um, but there's been some controversy in the weeks leading up uh, in light of the um, alleged murder of two gay men um, by another gay man who was a police officer in a domestic violence, alleged domestic violence related incident. Um, it's led to calls by people for um, police officers to not march at Pride, um, I think, from what I understand, there are some pretty good reasons for that. But I've talked enough, so I'll let you take the uh, first ball out. Well, of the well, well, first of all, if I was in Sydney today, I would go to the to the Mardi Gras for the reason that yesterday, I think it was yesterday, this week, <clears throat> anyway, the Parliament of Ghana in Africa, by a unanimous vote, declared any form of LGBTI activity, classification, declaring any person proved to be LGBT is going to jail in Ghana. It, it is a criminal offence. And the parliament passed it with a unanimous vote, all passing in Ghana. And I thought to myself, what a ghastly thing to do, uh, to penalise people for the way they were born and there's always a few people who pretend they're not what they are, but a great number of this is the way they're born. And I thought to myself, I would have to march with the gays with a big sign up saying, down Ghana, because I thought the world had gone past that point. What do you think, mate? Yeah, I mean, um, it's like, you know, the, we certainly haven't, um, I, I think worldwide, the, the war for LGBTQIA plus rights is still being fought, but it's even still being fought here. I mean, I saw this week, um, a very homophobic campaign in the Cumberland City Council in New South Wales was raised where um, a bunch of people stormed a council meeting to try to ban drag story time at libraries where people um, like drag queens and that, um, you know, just tell stories to kids. Um, drag is no different to like clown or mime. It's just an art form where people wear makeup and wear costumes and um, perform for people um, and you had this angry mob using homophobic slurs and the like descending on the council building um, and you know threatening violence and hate towards the, the community so in Sydney um, even today uh, let alone around the world there are still battles to be fought um, and you know the 
it's been cast in the spotlight this week, not just because Mardi Gras is a great celebration because of the controversy around the New South Wales police force and whether they should be allowed to march. Yeah, well, that, that's an issue that upset me. I would give the Mardi Gras organisers a kick in the backside for that, mate, while I protest about Ghana. The fact that a policeman is alleged to have committed a, a horrific crime, not, not just the fact, it was the ghastly way that it was done. Because he happened to be a policeman, to say that all policemen are like that and they've got to have some action against the police towards it, that was sheer discrimination, which they would not pull, put up with if someone accused them of, of something. And so I was pretty upset that they wanted to say the police weren't good guys because one guy is alleged to have committed a horrible murder. That was discrimination those guys should not get up to. See, the, the, the way I see it, from, from what I understand, um, the original Mardi Gras was a, is, is and was a parade in New Orleans. But Sydney's Mardi Gras first started as a um, pro-LGBTQIA plus protest against the police. Because in Sydney, especially around the Surrey Hills and Oxford Street area, where there has always been a strong and robust gay community, there's a really dark history of hate crimes being committed by the police against gay people. Uh, it's such a serious history that the government recently commissioned a former New South Wales Supreme Court judge to do a big inquiry into hate crimes committed by the police against the LGBTQIA plus community. And the findings of the report were that, you know, that the New South Wales police were at best turning a blind eye to and at worst actively engaging in um, gay bashings and those sorts of things. So from what I understand, um, in Mardi Gras, the, the fireys, for example, don't get to march in uniform. The army don't get to march in uniform. But the police have always sort of insisted on being able to march in uniform. Now, what they wanted is, like, police members would be allowed to march in plain clothes, like you or I or a fire department person or a um, army person or any other person. It's just not in uniform that the the organisers have a problem with. And given the history and given sort of no one else really gets to march in uniform, I don't think that's a particularly big problem to um to stop that. Okay, I take you. I take your point about that. I just thought that it was bad to uh, nail the police because one of them, you know, was yeah, an awful crime. Well, well, look, we're taking point about that. Well, I think the gay Mardi Gras gives us a chance to uh, show that Australia is a community which recognises uh, life in its broadest uh, sense and recognise the difference between uh, in people and the way they live their lives and it's an expression of uh, showing that Australia is a, is a country that uh, accepts all people. I wish we'd accept refugees with the same alacrity as we now do LGBTI people. We still have a fair bit of discrimination in this country. but it's good. And that, as you say, if it makes people happy for a day, well, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good thing. All by itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And again, you know, um, the the gay community in Australia is responsible for um, the LGBTQIA plus community in Australia, I should say, is responsible for so many great contributions to our country as as they are in any country. And uh, I think, um, you know, everyone who is not a member of the community but 
still supports rights and equality um, should be doing everything they can as well to get out there and show their support. Um, I will be playing cricket. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, but, um, it's, it's relevant today that while the gay marriage runs on in Sydney, there's a by-election on in Dunkley in Victoria. We should have a little talk about some of the ramifications of that. Now, Dunkley, for those of our listeners who don't avidly follow where the electorates are in in uh, Victoria, it's the area generally around Frankston in New South Wales, and, and rather in Port Phillip Bay, down there, and heading on towards the Mornington uh, Peninsula, where there's two different types of people down the Morning Peninsula, Mornington Peninsula, reasonably affluent middle class, and the people, Frankston and North, would you call normal ALP territory. And so it's not a, it's always been a somewhat marginal seat. And at the moment, uh, it, 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 there's some highlights about it because uh, a refugee uh, was arrested by the police in the electorate. I think I get that right. The refugee, uh, one of the guys that was let out because of the high court decision they yes. had let out, and, and a guy was arrested, and that started the whole, the, the LNP zoomed on that to say, this just shows you that the government's lost control of the refugees, right? And then we find out that the, the police arrested the wrong guy. They were looking for a totally different guy and they had to apologise. But those who attacked the, the police haven't apologised to him yet, which doesn't seem to me to be a good form of democracy, does it? No, it's it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a grotesque and racist fear campaign. The, the idea that, um, yeah, like you say, the Liberal Party and especially Peter Dutton in question time really leaned heavily after the wake of the announcement that um, one of the these refugees was arrested, really leaned heavily into this suggestion that Albo is letting these marauding foreign rapists onto the street and any Australian woman walking around is not safe because around the corner at any point could be this evil, hulking, foreign, fresh-off-the-boat rapist. It's just a, a horribly racist um, scare campaign, um, yeah. one which you, you could probably imagine some people buy into because there is a, a very, like you mentioned earlier, when we were talking about the equality we should be extending towards the LGBTQI plus community, that the equality we should be extending to our refugee community is, is so woefully lacking. Um, so that there are certainly elements in Australian society who want to push these awful narratives about refugees and we have to stand up against it and call it out for what it is. Well, true. Well, looking at the overall results, uh, uh, normally in my lifetime, most times a, a government-held seat where there's a violent government in power, loses a member and there's a violation. Usually the government loses the by-election because voters get out and say, look, this is not, well, particularly if the government's got a clear majority, uh, we're not going to toss the government out. So we'll let them know what a pack of rotters they are and so they, they really see the by-elections as an opportunity to whack the government. Now, uh, we've got to try and gauge how many people in Dunkley today want to uh, whack elbow. As we discussed last week, the advanced Australian mob, the so-called Christians, uh, financed by Donald Trump Christians in America, have got Albo's photograph up all over the electorate with Albo looking like he's Dracula's big brother, saying that you really want this fiendish man, you know, around. 
And I actually think that's going to get Almoa's sympathy vote of some degree. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the whole campaign run by this right-wing apparatus is not based on hope. It's not based on change. It's not based on making anyone's life better. It's just entirely based on hate and fear. Uh, and you would hope, you would hope that hate and fear cannot win elections in this country because you would hope the populace is better than that. Uh, and today I think will be a good test on whether we can rise above the politics of hate and fear and continue moving forward with the politics of hope. Well, there's two things, uh, you know, to look at, I think, in this by-election tonight. One is the fact that it's a, what you might call a, a, a money-divided electorate. In the Mornington Peninsula, and by the way, I think the morning, if I had the opportunity to live down the Mornington Peninsula and buy myself a little winery, I would, mate. So let, let's, uh, it's not going to happen, but it's a good idea, you know. But the LNP has been running around there saying, Albo did you in for your tax cuts? He's talking to the wealthy people down there. Albo did you in for your tax cuts? Now, uh, but doesn't say, well, Albo gave the tax cuts to a hell of a lot of other people. So it'll be a matter of how many of I don't think the very wealthy vote in the Mornington Peninsula is enough to sway the election. I think the average middle class person will say about the tax cuts, well, I'm going to get a tax cut, you know, out of the thing. And so I don't think that's so. It's a matter of how much the tax cut scare affects the wealthier vote. How do you think? Well, I'd I'd hope um, re realistically you'd have to be a pretty um, money grubbing person for it to because you know the, these tax cuts only um, the uber wealthy are still going to get a tax cut of about four and a half grand. It's just that they're not going to get a nine grand tax cut anymore. So you know. Um, I, I would hope the uber wealthy do not cry poor too much that the government, a Labor government, is still going to give them a $4,500 tax cut. Whether or not it's effective, again, I, I don't think Peter Dutton gets much cut through on his cost of living messaging because he's a thug, um, but we'll, we'll see. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. So it'd be interesting to see how the vote is in the booths in those. Areas. They're coming up to Frankston End and going, going out into places like Carrum Downs and whatever you wear. It's the, what you'd call the poorer part of the electorate. These are the, the section where they are hurt by uh, interest rate rise, they're hurt by inflation, they're hurt by the supermarkets. Uh, they're generally having a rough time. They don't believe their wages are keeping uh, track. So it'll be very interesting if the labour trending areas of that electorate where the anger about the cost of living it, it, it comes out and hits hard uh, in this. They're like, bearing in mind some of them are going to get a tax cut as well. Now, how do you think the Labor, traditional Labor voters in Dunkley, how are they going to vote today? Well, I mean, yeah, you know, everyone who's earning less than what was it, 150 grand, is going to be better off, cost of living wise, under Albo's proposed tax cut. Or not proposed, it passed the parliaments under Albo's tax cut structure than under the Liberals' one. Whether or not that translates into people understanding that and actually voting for the Labor candidate or still just being broadly angry and protesting and voting for the Liberal cabinet, I'm not too sure. Um, speaking of the supermarkets, did you see this week, Avril, Bob Catter and Andrew Wilkie uh, dressing up in their pig suits and um, roaming the halls of Parliament with their noses in the trough, uh, symbolising um, 
the the supermarket duopoly stranglehold over the market. That was outrageous content. I loved it. I loved it. Well, well, well. Put it this way, uh, I, I think the honourable gentleman of the house would have thought it was somewhat unseemly behaviour. But I happened to be in Parliament this week, and I actually uh, uh, said good day to Bob Catter, and uh, oh, Bob just loves doing these, uh, uh, you know, sorts of things. And uh, and uh, there's a lot of people walking around saying, "Oh, poor old Bobby, he's lost the plot." But I think occasionally in Parliament, which can be a dreadfully nasty place at times. If you get a couple of blokes parading around like that and it gives everybody, most of people had a laugh about it, I think it won't hurt those blokes to laugh occasionally instead of being sinister and devious. What do you think? No, I, I think it's good. I think it's fun and I think it's a, <laughs> a different way of getting a message out, you know. It's it's putting your money where your mouth is and saying, no, I'm going to I'm gonna go on the war path, you know. It, it, it's a lot better than sort of a boring, stale press conference. Yeah, true. Well, coming back to Dunkley, there's another factor been pointed out to me that in by-elections you get the lowest vote. You know, we're all voting is supposed to be compulsory, but you and I know that a whole pile of people don't turn up and if they get fined, they don't pay it and I don't know that government's put them in jail. And so there's a general feeling that people are brushed off with politics. They've had a gutful. There's a by-election on who cares and that the vote will be lower. Now, it's the issue is, of the ones who don't vote, will they be wealthy guys or poor guys? Now, you're my political analyst. Of the no voters today, who's going to miss out on that? Well, well, one would think people who are really angry at the government, more keen to give them a whack, would be more inclined to get out and, and vote on a by-election day. Um, but that's it's it's all reading the tea leaves, you know. I, I, there's probably no way to measure this. Um, I just hope Labor wins. <laughs> I actually think, given given that the former member, Peter Murphy, was a, a very good MP, I mean, she was one of those very good MPs, she died of cancer, and she was well-loved in the electorate. I think there are some people who will simply vote for the Labor candidate as a tribute to Peter Murphy. I think that happened. Now, I'm not saying that's a decider, but I think it's a factor that people who thought Peter Murphy will sort of want to keep the seat in her party in honour of her. And there's a bit of that, you know, element around, isn't there? Yeah, I'd um, I'd hope so, because, again, you know, it's, it's always a, a tragedy when you lose a, a genuinely good MP and a heartfelt MP. Um, and you would hope that their contributions to the community are remembered. Um, conversely, yeah. you know, but voters' minds are fickle and sometimes they um, vote with short-term interests at heart. And if that's giving the government a whack, that may be giving the government a whack. I suppose right, by around. Just, now, I want you to be my political forecaster. Just say the ALP loses the seat tonight. I'm going to ask you a similar question about Dutton in a minute. If the ALP loses tonight, is is Albo going to be in big trouble? Is everybody going to, going to get round to Albo? Albo he, he's on the skids. Will Albo survive a loss? Um. The, the media would love to make a big story about it, but the real answer is most people in the public wouldn't blink because unlike deranged people like us, 99% of people aren't following what's happening in a random by-election in Victoria in the middle of March. Um, yeah. And to them, it's just another, another Saturday. Um, but of course, you know, no matter what the outcome is tonight, be it a 
robust win for Labor or a swing against Labor or a win for the Liberals. You just know the media will be circling like sharks to make a bigger deal out of it and create all these narratives that aren't actually there. Well, now, Peter Dutton is getting around the electorate uh, campaigning and, and saying what a dreadful government this is and this is your chance to whack them. Now, just say Peter Dutton doesn't win it. What does that do? Does the, does the, does the Liberals start grumbling and say, look, God, Peter Dutton should have won that Dunkley by-election. Why the hell didn't he win it? What's the impact on Dutton losing? Um, look, I, I'm, I'm going to have to give pretty much the same answer. Like, it doesn't really mean much. We, we talked about Mardi Gras in the first half of yeah. the episode, and I guarantee there's going to be a lot more people paying attention to Mardi Gras on their TVs tonight for the Dunkley by-election. But, of course, yeah. you know, on, on Insiders tomorrow on the ABC, David Spears and his gang of journalists get around talking about all these narratives that have come out of the by-election that um, about 0.01% of the population actually care about. Um, <laughs> So that look, you know, I Dutton will still be as a campaigner riding high off his um fear-based and division-based campaign in the voice referendum. He's continued to roll with fear and division-based campaigning. Um, whether or not it translates to um, seat elections is to be seen, and we will see. Well, well, we're going to see now. We better get to. Uh... To, to good guys and bad guys. Now, you, you better start off the good guy one, man. Uh, and, and, and why should I start the good guy off, Everald? Is, is there any reason? Uh, I'm, 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 I'm in a state, I'm in a, a rare state of humility. It doesn't happen often, but I'm in a rare state of humility. I, I, I would suggest to you, Everald, the reason you want me to start good guys is because my good guy of the week is Everald Compton, who uh, this week had a uh, was down in Canberra. Um, and for his contributions with National Seniors and promoting healthy ageing and all sorts of different um, contributions to the community, and especially the seniors community, um, was honoured by MPs Milton Dick and Shane Newman and the Seniors Association with the naming of a medal, the Everald Compton Medal, um, for contributions to, um, to the community. And uh, if Everald's listening, I'd just like to give him props for all the hard work he's done and... Um, and I think a big, good, smart move by um, Milton Dick and Shane Newman, the Labor MPs from Queensland, for um, getting Everald down to Canberra and um, inaugurating the medal. Well, it, it, first of all, it was a very nice thing to happen, and I'm very grateful. It's actually going to be called the Everald Compton Community Champions Medal. So it's going to be handed out every October, one person, and it's for a senior Australian who does something extraordinary for Australia during the year. It's meant to be the most prestigious medal that a senior can get in Australia. And so people like yourself, if you know uh, someone out in the near where you live who's made an extraordinary contribution, I mean, that's out of the ordinary, uh, and you nominate them and they, they get there. What we're wanting is for it to be recognised that older people aren't a burden on society. There are oldies out there doing good things for society. We'd like more oldies out doing good things for society. And we're going to pick one every year who does something extraordinary so that we can sort of say to Australia, oldies are, are, are an asset. And what every community should do is, I, I used the slogan in the speech I made at Parliament on Thursday that when we're looking at the older population saying they're a burden, well, let's say, Let's turn grey into gold. 
let's show that people who are grey have got something to contribute to Australia. And my role in promoting this around Australia is to say to older people, let's show Australia that oldies are innovating, visionary, and every year we're going to show you one who does that. And, so that, and I was treated very nicely around the parliament. By the way, the people who joined with national seniors in announcing this is what they call the Friends of Seniors that were set up. And it was set, there's about a dozen polypolies who want to identify with it. And they formed this Friends of Age. And the key leader, one of the key leaders, is Rebecca Sharkey, the independent uh, member who took the alley of the seat that the Downers had held in South Australia for years and years. And, years. and she is, was a key instigator in it. They all made Bob Catter is one of the, you know, the instigators in it. And Milton Dick is the speaker, very, very keen for this to happen. And we had the function in his uh, in his garden. And it was a, a happy event. And 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 I uh, you know I was I'm, I'm very grateful that it uh, happened. What we got to do now is make sure the aim of the medal sort of uh, gets there. But when you get to my age, mate, ninety three this year, you know, I think a lot of people look at old bloke and say, look, before this old bloke talks it, we better do something to make him happy. And I think that <laughs> might have happened. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, a, a, a lifetime of public service and um, very well deserved. I, I I like what you're saying about how. The, the thing now is just, you know, roll up the sleeves and get the job done, make sure the aims of the medal are um, promoted throughout the community. Um, about a bad well, guy. Well, let's, let's, let's move on to the, to the baddie of the week. Uh, you, you've, heard, you've heard enough about me. I'm, I'm very great. Thanks, James, for bringing that up. Now, the bad person uh, of the week, I want to say, is uh, Susan Lee. And I was quite disgusted with her a message she put out, which she put out on every bit of social media she could find, but I saw it on Twitter, saying, you know, if you're a woman living in the electorate of Dunkley and you're worried about getting sexually molested uh, uh, you know, by an, an African guy, well, then vote against Labor. Don't vote for Labor. Now, she put this out with herself. Now, one clown picked up her bad president. No, not a clown. One, one wise guy picked up and said, look, what she's saying to you is, it's all right for a white guy to rape you, but don't let a, don't let an African guy rape you. That's terrible, you know. And, and you could infer that, you know, from what she said. But but the whole thing was just so disgraceful. Uh, it, it, look, I've been going to Parliament now, as you know, James, for 66, 67 years losing count. This one this week was my visit number one hundred and twenty-five over there. I have never seen a more rotten statement made than she made yesterday about this. I was just disgusted. I mean, it, it, it's not the first time Liberal politicians have tried to do this in Melbourne. Um, two Victorian state elections ago, Peter Dutton was getting around Melbourne and Victoria claiming that residents are afraid to leave their house because of Labor's African gangs who Labor was letting onto the streets. And so it's. I think it's just a, a continuation of that and more grotesque campaigning. Like, like to, su suggesting that Labor is um, somehow the party of uh, allowing women to be sexually assaulted by foreigners is just a um, just a grotesque thing to say. And I mean, you know, that, that it's it's one thing to go around and say um, without any real statistics or data behind it. Oh, Labor's the party of spend, spend, spend. Can't trust it with the budget. It's another thing to go around saying 
Labor is allowing Australian women to be sexually assaulted by foreigners. That's just it's it's grotesque. It's it's wretched. It's it's everything wrong with Canberra. And look, it, it comes to a whole thing. We've got the Queensland election coming up in October, and already the media are saying this is an election about youth crime. Now, uh, first of all, there's just as many old guys committing crimes as, as youth, and but they seem to want to be. And, and they want to blame this, the existing government uh, for letting youth crime get out of the way. What, they, what we're not saying to the community is youth crime occurs because we as a community have had very lax standards in our community and, and we haven't tried to provide as a, overall the sort of community where young people feel accepted, young people are, are given visions of what they can how they can live a good life. We do nothing about broken families. We do nothing about domestic violence. Children brought up in homes of domestic violence get violent like their father and whatever. We as a community are just as responsible for crime in the community as the politicians. Now, am I going overboard or not, James? Um, frankly, I, I normally have something to say because I talk way too much, but I have nothing to add to that because you've put that Perfectly, like could could not um, have have nothing to add there because that's that's so well put, and I would echo every sentiment that you've just said. Well, now what what we've got to hope is, is that uh, the sort of crudity that's sort of coming into the parliament, the, the Susan Lay thing, uh, is there, but she's not the only one. But I just thought that was appalling, but. The whole quality of debate has got to alter. I mean, I stayed at the Hotel Parajong on Thursday night after this function, uh, and uh, uh, I was somewhere near the part of the hotel where Ben Shipley, the former Prime Minister, took his, his heart attack and died back in 1951. And I remember back in those days the courtesy with which Chifley and Menzies, who were on opposite sides, they were each Prime Minister and Leader of the Opposition for about seven years, the courtesy with which they treated one another, the way in which they'd settle disputes in their offices and come out and square off in parts that we've settled that. The nastiness that now pervades in all sorts of ways just wasn't there. I never, ever saw Menzies abused Chifley or Chifley abused Menzies with nasty words in that time. Why can't we get back to that type of thing? Yeah, if, if I had to give one closing thought for the podcast today on the Dunkley by-election, it would be that beyond being a choice between like Labor or Liberal or Labor, Liberal or Green or Independent or what have you, it, it's a choice between the politics of sort of kindness, hope and empathy and the politics of fear, nastiness um, and anger. And I, I would hope that the voters today can repudiate the politics of fear and nastiness and anger in favour of a win for hope and empathy. Well, that's good. Well, it's been a good discussion this week, James. Now, are you going to make a century this afternoon at cricket? Uh, well, we, we've qualified for the finals. We've made the finals. This is our last hit out before finals next week. So we're hoping to get a good hit out in. Um, depending on how we go today, it depends who we play in the finals. Um, it, we we just can't do as bad as New Zealand are doing right now against Australia, with um, <laughs> Australia about two hundred. No, it's a, yeah, it, it, it's a, that's a crazy thing. But James, uh, I hope that the heat doesn't get you, mate. Do you wear an air conditioned uh, jacket or something? 
I, I am a, a fan of the um, long sleeve shirt, the broad brim hat. Um, encourage everyone yeah. who's out in the sun this weekend <laughs> and every weekend to cover up. Um, well, I'd be thinking of you running around in the 35 degree temperatures, man, but been a good chat. Let's talk next week and thanks everyone for listening. Yep. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.